last thing I want to say is, uh, Pastor Mitch isn't here, obviously I'm not here, uh, I'm not him, I am here, but how uh, much I kind of just, I talk to Ashley all the time, I take for granted, like he sees things in us, like in me, that I don't even see, and that's part of the reason I'm here and I'm on staff, and just how much I take for granted the teaching I'm under every week here in this house from him, so I just want to say thank you to him, we love you, we miss you, get some rest, and uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, next thing, I need a favor from y'all. Can y'all do me a favor? All right, I, like, when I teach, I need feedback. I need head nods. I need, like, aha. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Something like the students, they look at me like I'm speaking Chinese sometimes, and they're just like this, and I'm like, I have no idea if you're hearing anything. So just a little bit of feedback will be appreciated. And also, Ashley tells me I tend to yell when I teach. And so if I start yelling, y'all just like wave, hey, you're yelling. Uh, I blame it on all the years of coaching and playing sports. It's just second nature to me. So if I start yelling at you, it's not personal. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better and not yelling at people. So, but we'll get started. Love all y'all. So uh, by the raise of a hand, who here would say uh, they're hungry for God? All right, so I got another question for you. Who would say by the raise of hand that you're willing to do whatever Jesus is asking you to do? All right, yeah, that one's a little scary. That one's a little scary. All right, next one is raise your hand if you've ever wondered if you've had what your purpose is. Do I have purpose? All right, good, we got the right audience. So if you raise your hand to any of those three questions, like tonight's the night, God's got a word for you, and it's going to be really good. So the goal, my goal tonight, uh, I want you to evaluate when you leave here, am I fulfilling my purpose? All right, where am I at with my purpose in life, and am, am I in, and I fulfilling it? So everybody say purpose. All right, easy, right? So this is a question... Like, we've heard everywhere. Like, you hear it all the time growing up. Like, what's your purpose? What are you going to do with your life? What are you supposed to do? And so that's what we want to talk about. Uh, and, you know, I'm going I'm to tell a little story. Our, uh, our daughter, she just turned seven on Saturday, so we had a birthday party. And one of the things we got her uh, was this Bluetooth karaoke microphone. And, like, low-key, we wish we wouldn't have gave it to them because all they do is fight over it. But really, like, the gift was probably more for me than it was for her because I joke with Ashley all the time, like, like I've missed my calling in life. If y'all know who Michael Buffer from back in the day, boxing and, and WCW and Bruce Buffer from the UFC, like, I've got a legit, like, announcer voice. And I, I get on that microphone at home and I'm, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time! Three rounds in the heavyweight division. Introducing first, fighting out of the red corner. Standing in at six feet tall, weighing in at 200 pounds. Isaiah the Heathen Slayer Short. All right, I'm just, I'm just joking. I had to do that. So, Bruce Buffer, I'm coming for you. Watch out. But uh, I'm just playing. So, no, but like our purpose, like our purpose in life, we look for it everywhere but like it's found in the Bible. And so we're going to talk about the secret sauce of what your purpose is uh, tonight and where you can find it. So what I want you to do, I'm out of breath now. I'm out of shape. Sorry. <sighs> I got I to gotta work out before I do that. Good job. But uh, all right, what I need everybody to do, including me, just pause. I want you to close your eyes. Take a breath. 
and I want you to think about where your purpose comes from. The creator of the universe gives you your purpose. This is the God who formed you in your mother's womb, who planned you long, long ago. That is awesome. Like, that is amazing. I, st- I stole that from Francis Chan. He says it, uh, he talks about before he prays sometimes, he just says, before you say a prayer, just pause and think who you're praying to. Like, this is the creator of the universe you're talking to. Like, he's who gives us purpose. Not man, not society, not work, not family, not friends. Like, the creator of the universe is the one who gives us purpose. So, uh, Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. You replace we with you. Put your name in there. You are God's masterpiece. It says, He has created us, or He has created you anew in Christ Jesus, so that we, or so that you can do good things. It says you can do good things that he planned for you long ago. All right? So it says that you are his masterpiece. You aren't a piece of junk. And that he has good things planned for you that he planned long, long ago before you were even a thought. It says he created you to do good things. You have a purpose to do good things. And so the Bible isn't going to tell you uh, you're supposed to be a, a second grade teacher, a photographer, a mechanic. It's not going to say, David, go coach football. No, it's, it's not going to say that. It's, but what it is going to do is going to give us three things. And so the first thing I want to talk about is it says that we were all created for love. Say love. Love. We were all created for love. Is there anybody who's never heard that before? Any of youth, y'all, y'all, all right, you've heard that. All right, so youth hear this all the time. This is something we've been talking about. We got core values back there, and this is stuff we, we do at home, but we, we love God, we love people, we do our best, and we choose joy. So first one, we, we were all created for love. So Jesus tells us to love God and love people. In uh, Mark 12, excuse me, 29 through 31, it says, uh, Teacher, which commandment is the greatest of all? The greatest. Jesus answered them. The most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart. Every passion. With all the energy of your being. With every thought that is within you. Let me flip my paper. And with all your strength. So we see it says every passion of your heart, with all your energy, with every thought, and with all your strength. It's not, sometimes it's not a little bit here and a little bit there. It's everything you got. He says, we got to love God with literally everything you have all the time, 24-7. That's number one. And it says, this is the great and supreme commandment. And then it says, and the second is this. I don't like, I don't like verse 31. Just kidding. JK, not really. But, all right, it says, And the second one is this, you must love your neighbor. It says must. You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You'll never find a greater commandment than this. So number one, we're created to love God all right, and love people. So the question I want you to to think right now and ask yourself, am I truly loving God with all my life, with my every thought, with my every passion, with all my strength, am I really loving him in the good times and the bad? 
All right, because, you know, it's easy to say, you know, on paper, we're going to love God. You know, oh, there won't be, there will never be a time I won't love God. This summer for our family has kind of been a somewhat of a whirlwind, but I've had some personal stuff go on that's, uh, God's just been checking me on things. And so some of y'all know my father-in-law, he's over there, but uh, six and a half, seven weeks ago, he had a stroke. All right. And, uh, just his testimony going through that and talking about loving God through, like talking about loving God in the tough times. Like I remember two or three weeks, uh, I guess three, four weeks ago in the hospital, I was visiting him. I don't know if he remembers this. And he was telling me about when the stroke happened and he started just to lose control of the right side of his body. He started sliding down. Next thing you know, he lost his vision, couldn't see, couldn't say a word. And he told me, you know what he said? Everything's okay. You know why? He just kept saying, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. So in a situation to where you can't control half your body, you can't move, you can't talk, he chose to love God. And then in the hospital, a few days later, Ashley was sending me pictures. They're in the hospital room worshiping, and he's raising his left hand because he can't lift up his right, and then he takes his left to lift up his right. I'm just, I mean, like, choosing when life throws a curveball at you, still choosing to love God and to see someone so close to me actually do it made me evaluate, hey, what would you do? You know, would you be pouting, this ain't fair, why is this happening, questioning, or everything's good, Jesus is here. I'm going to praise God through this. You know, Satan's wasting his time. And, that, and so for me, I was like, man, that, that's, that's strong, that's tough. I don't, I don't know if I could have, if I could say I would have done that. So we see we got to love God. Next thing I want you to ask yourself, am I loving others? Because this is the tough one. Like you got people that's easy to love and you got people that you do show love to, but then you got some people probably it's like, eh, I ain't going to love you that much today. Like you've been, you've been a jerk. So uh, I got another scripture, 1 John 4, 19 through 21. It says, we love him because he first loved us. Who loved us first? Yeah, Jesus loved us first, so we got to love him. And then it says in verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Uh, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Ouch. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must, there's that must again, love his brother also. So, it says, like, when our Christian brothers and sisters don't agree with us on poli- in politics, like, I still got to love them. It says, hey, if my brother or sister said some mean stuff to me that really hurt me, I got to love them. If they were talking behind my back, I got to love them. If they actually do something that hurts me, I got to love them. Like, and then it says, if you don't, what does it say? You're a what? I didn't say it. Don't get angry at me. Get angry at John. But, I mean, he says, if you don't love someone, you're a, li- you're a liar. How can you love someone who's physically in front of you and not love, and not, not love them and not, and not love God who isn't, who isn't, you can't physically see, who isn't physically present? So, question is, can you truly love God 
and not love other people. And it isn't like, oh, I, well, I love majority of people, like 95%. There's always the 5% that are crazy that ruin everything for anybody anyway. So let's kick the 5% out. No, you got to love the 5%. That's when I was teaching. We always said, hey, most schools, 95% of the kids were good. 5% were chaos. And they ruined and made everything bad for the 95 And you can graduate or get rid of the 5%, but the 5% just keeps coming back in different kids. We got to love the 5%, all right? right, If you're a teacher, you know what I'm talking about. But it says if we don't love the 5%, we don't love those people, you're a liar, all right? Don't get angry with me. That's, That's John. And so we see, number one, we were called and we were created to love, all right? And so number two, the second thing you were created to do was to bring God glory, all right? And so 1 Corinthians 6.20 you were God's expensive purchase. He went to Macy's. Uh, nah. All right, you were God's expensive purchase. Paid for with tears of blood, so by all means. By what? All means. Then use your body to bring glory to God. And so what it's saying, think, what am I using my body for? Are you using your daily life to glorify God. Like at work, with the work I do every day, am I glorifying God with my work? With the people I interact with, is this glorifying God? In your relationships, am I glorifying God in my relationships? Am I glorifying God with my thoughts and my attitude? Because it says, by all means, not just in actions or words, or not just with your relationships or at work or on Sundays and Wednesdays. It says, by all means, bring glory to God. So we see that our lives are to bring glory to God. Would you say how you are currently living your life right now is bringing glory to God? All right? Are there areas that you got to work on? Right? That's me. That's, there's stuff I got to work through. But we that's part of what we're going to move into the next point. So if we're supposed to bring glory to God, we say we're created for love. We're created to bring glory for God. All right. And the third thing we're created for, and that's to live forever. And so first John two seventeen it says the world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God live forever. It's saying the ones who love to do the will of God live forever. So it's what, what we're talking about is switching our mindset because so often we think about the here and the now, all right? But there's eternity, all right? And, and that's part of understanding when I bring glory to God in everything I do, it's an, what I call an eternal mindset. I got to shift my thinking to stop thinking about what's going, how is this going to benefit me here on earth? What am I doing here on earth? And start thinking, how is this going to impact eternity? All right, and when we shift our mindset, we see that we draw closer to Jesus. And I got another story. So this summer, oh, man, when did we go to the beach with the family? In June? So it was in June. We, uh, we were down to the beach. I got a text message from uh, one of my best friends from high school. Shout out to him if he's watching. Uh, but I got a text, and it said, hey, I've been shot. And if you know him, he's kind of a goofy guy. And I went to Ashley. I'm like, 
I don't think he's joking. Like, I mean, he's a jokester, and he plays, plays some pretty, you know, st- stupid, goofy pranks, but he just texted me he was shot. And so uh, we come to find out he was uh, there in Alabama where his wife is from with her family, him and his two little girls. He's got a third one on the way. He was out jogging, uh, whatever, it was on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, out for a jog, and uh, he's out running. All of a sudden, a car pulls over. A guy he doesn't know, a guy he's never seen before, gets out of the car, pulls a gun out, and starts shooting at him seven, five to seven times, uh, shoots at him, tries to kill him, hits him twice. And uh, he had to be rushed to the hospital, and then they had to transfer him, transfer him to Birmingham. He had an artery in his leg. Uh, and he spent two weeks in the hospital, four surgeries later, has a bullet that's stuck in his knee for the rest of his life. All right, crazy. Life turned upside down. And, uh, but with, with talking with him, even texting with him today and talking with him through all of it, like he said from the very beginning, I remember like the day it happened, he sent out stuff saying, hey, thank you everyone for your prayers. Like, don't pray for me. Please pray for the guy that, that did this. Like, pray for his soul. Like, pray that he has a chance to hear how much Jesus loves him. Like, and I was just like, man. Like, he didn't demand justice. He didn't go on a rant and a rave. He didn't get angry. Like, he said, man, pray for him and his family. Like, pray that he gets an opportunity to see how much Jesus loves him. And I tell you, talking about, like, checking me. Like I said, like everybody says, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. But when it's your best friend, somebody you talk to every week that it happens to, it's like, oh, that's somebody I know now. And, and so through all of this, not once has he wavered. It's always been, hey, I'll talk to him and we, we laugh and we joke about it because he, he broke his jaw and cracked his skull in high school because we were bike jousting. It was a whole long story. But I'm like, he's the, the nicest person you'd ever know. But I'm like, who would ever think, like, you broke your jaw, had your mouth wired shut, you've been shot twice, and it's you who everybody in the world loves, and, you know, you haven't gotten a fight in your life, but you're walking around like you're some gangster or something. But you got a really cool story. But he has said from the get-go, like, I just hope this doesn't go to waste. Like, and even when it, texting with him, asking, hey, can I use your story? He's like, for sure. He's like, but it's not my story. It's God's story. I'm just like, oh, man, like, stop convicting me. Because, like, I don't, like, think if that happened to one of your loved ones and, you know, a random act of violence, what would you, how would you respond? His mom, when she went down to Alabama because they're from Clayton, she got to eat lunch with the shooter's mom. The shooter's mom has, st- has started going to their local church. I mean, it's, it's just crazy what choosing God and having an eternal mindset will do instead of all the chaos. But sorry, I digress on, on all this. So we, we're talking about having an e- eternal mindset and understanding that we're, we're to live forever and that when we die on earth, like that's the beginning. Like chapter one ends when we leave earth. And we got a long time. We got eternity. And so we have to think about the rest of the book and stop thinking about chapter one. And so... I just gave you three points. See if Pastor Cameron can remember. What's number one? We're called to what? Love. Number two, bring glory to God. I put him on the spot. He's like, forget you. Yeah. And number three, live forever. Have an eternal mindset. So those are the three things. I, but he was asking me, he was asking me, he's like, how do we do this? That's a great question, man. How do we do this? I am glad you asked. So 
My question to you is, if these are really simple elementary principles, yes or no? Like, I haven't said anything that you haven't heard before. Or you're like, oh, man, this is like groundbreaking. No, this is real simple. Everything I do is very plain and simple. My question is, why aren't Christians living this way? All right, why are Christians having all the issues and fighting with each other that's going around today? Why are we, as believers, not choosing to show love? Why, as believers, are like our lives in a hot mess and we're not bringing glory to God? All right? And so the answer to all that is Jesus or the lack of Jesus in our lives. And so the more Jesus, the more problems get fixed. And so to live out how we were created to be, to live out love, to live out bringing glory to God, to live out an eternal mindset or live forever, we have to be more like Jesus. That's your purpose. Your purpose in life is to be more like Jesus. And it's plain and simple, and that's everybody. Be more like Jesus. So it says in Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him as all truth, all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new nature created in God's image, in true righteousness and holiness. So three things from that I want to talk about. It says we got to strip ourselves. you got to put off and discard the old, unrenewed self. You have to constantly renew. Con- it says constantly. That means always. It's always happening. You have to constantly renew. Not most of the time, not a majority, not four of the seven days of the week, not on the weekends. It says constantly renew yourself. And then it says you have to put on the new nature. So all three of those things require action. And that's why it's not easy. Stuff that requires action is not easy. And so we have to take off and throw away the old self. You have to constantly be renewed in your spirit. You have to put on the new nature, which was created in God's image. So question, can you become more like Jesus without changing your old ways? No, we can't. I can't say a prayer and not change what I'm doing. I have to, it requires change. We just read it. It requires action. And that's what is difficult at times because we don't like change and we like our routines. We like what we do. So let's talk about how we can be more like Jesus. So obviously we know our purpose is to be more like Jesus. We, are, we know that we were created for love, to bring God glory and to live forever, to have that eternal mindset but how do I do that? How do I live more like Jesus? So Galatians 5, through 23, like I said, this is going to be another simple thing you've all heard. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, some of the youth can sing the song. All right, don't do it. All right, but if I'm trying to be more like Jesus... Should these things be flowing in my life? Yes, all right? 
If I'm trying to be like Jesus, if my purpose is to be more like him, these things should be evident in my life. So let's look at a few of them. I got a couple I'm going to talk about. We'll, we'll touch on. So first one, love. I want you to think, who am I showing love to? Am I showing love to the people it's easy to show love to? The people who show love back? Am I showing love to the people who don't love me? The people who are mean to me, who are rude to me? People who have hurt me? Right? Am I picking and choosing when and where I show love? Right? Because we can't, it's, it's, it's a constant thing. It's an all-the-time thing. Right? Joy. All right? Choosing joy. Right? I said our core values. We love God. We love people. We do our best and we choose joy. I told you two, two examples that's, that's happened in my life this summer with my best friend and my father-in-law. Like you, I say it all the time. You can choose joy in every single situation. No matter how bad it looks, you can always choose joy. All right? And both of them this summer, all right, my buddy got shot. Like on the side of the road waving down people to, so they can pull over and crazy you want to hear the other crazy part first guy comes calls 911 they wave a second car down that guy comes he's like oh i got a tourniquet in my car my buddy gave me three days ago and said you never know when you'll need this and so they run and slap a tourniquet on them they call how far out's the ambulance they said six minutes well the hospital was six minutes away so they're like we got to go they scooped a random stranger up who's bleeding out put him in their car and drove him to the hospital blood gushing everywhere Right? And so he says, hey, this ain't my story. This is God's story. I don't want this to go to waste. I'm going to share it as much as I can. All right? And then my father-in-law choosing Jesus is here. Whether I see again or not, Jesus is here. Whether he's sitting on the ground at his house, nobody knows he's there, Jesus is here. Choosing joy. Like I said, it's easy to say, but until the rubber meets the road, what are you going to do? And I'm telling you, like, God's been dealing me with that all summer about those things. I'm just like, man, like, what, what would I do? So, love, joy, patience. Ooh. Patience. This is a tough one. Right, this, is, this is the tough one for me. Like, who are you having patience with? Like, our middle child, Daniel, he's four. Oh, man. Just pray for us. Because, like, every, every night, I ain't going to say every night. I ain't going to speak that. But when we... At times when we eat dinner, I mean, you can ask Ashley, like, I don't know just if my patients are gone because I've been working all day, but it's like, man, like, he won't eat anything. I mean, everything just looked that yucky, that yucky, that yucky, that yucky. And then, like, everybody's done eating, table's cleaned off, he's still sitting there, that yucky. My, my belly full, my belly full. Like, you've, you've eaten two bites, your belly's not full, like, and, and, and the cousins were over last night, and Michael, who's a couple weeks older than him, has already ate like four servings and ate all the salad. All the other kids are on the porch eating popsicles. Daniel's still sitting there, and then he's laying in the chair. He's trying to sneak away. I mean, I'm just telling you, my patience is like, Ashley's like, David, just, just leave him alone. He can sit there all night. So, but you all know what I'm talking about. There's certain instances where your patience, and with certain people, your patience just, you have no patience for them. It's gone. Right? And it's easy to have patience with people who are in need, maybe, people here at church, all right? but we tend to at times not have patience with the people that are close to us or, or our kids. And so, like, am I, am I picking and choosing where I'm using my patience? 
because i got to have patience with everybody. And then uh, kindness. Who are we showing kindness to? All right? Am I only showing kindness on the weekends or, hey, it's, it's a Monday, you know, I've got a case of not, or, you know, it's Wednesday, it's hump day. Oh, it's Friday. Yeah, it's the weekend. I'm going to be kind, you know, or am I being kind 24-7? And then self-control. That's another tough one. Ugh. Like, we like to have self-control in areas, right? Like, I got really good self-control with my tongue. I, for the most part, I don't, like, lash out. All right, but obviously, I don't skip too many servings at the buffet. Like, like you know, like, I, we, have a, we got a motto, leftovers are for quitters. So, no, but, but, but being serious, like, we got self-control in areas, but, like, I'm, I'm a walking example. Like, keep, keep bringing the food. Keep bringing the food. All right? And, but we don't have self-control with other things. And, and for everybody, it's something different, but we, can we pick and choose where we use self-control? And so uh, you can ask the students. You can ask uh, the student ministry team. I'm big on evaluations and self-evaluations. I want to know, like, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? How can we do this better? All right, what, what's going on? And so, like, I got another self-evaluation. If you haven't figured, I got a lot of questions I want you to ask yourself. So, I just want you to take a second, clear your mind, pause, and think. What fruit is the most evident in my life? Like, if I would go around asking people that work with me, my family, people that are close to me, out of the nine, what do you see the most? Some of me be like, oh, I don't see anything. I just don't ask that person. I'm just playing. Next question. Which one do they see the least? And then ask yourself why. Like, what am I doing that people aren't seeing it? Because if I think I'm full of joy and I ask everybody and nobody sees joy on me, I'm probably not full of joy. All right, so if we're supposed to be uh, more like Jesus... All right, all these, all the fruits should be evident in our life. Yes or no? Yes. All right, and so I'm not a, I'm not a great English student. I'm not great at grammar. It was my weak point in school. But in Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is. It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit are. So that is is singular. I know a little bit. And the are is plural. So the fruit of the Spirit is is singular, meaning it is a ninefold fruit. It doesn't mean that Miss Juanita got patience, kindness, and goodness, but she got no joy and no self-control. All right? And Miss Amanda got all the joy and self-control, but nothing else. It, it doesn't work that way. It's a ninefold fruit. So ask yourselves, are these nine fruit evident in my life? Because if they're evident in Jesus' life, should they be evident in ours? All right, and so we start to see, we know our purpose is to be more like Jesus, right? Yes or no? Y'all are a little distracted. What's going on? All right, so y'all, y'all see Isaiah. Everybody say, hey, Isaiah. All right, he's enjoying a yummy banana. He, he likes to eat the pills on the bananas. Y'all didn't know that. So that's, that's how you make the beard grow in thicker. You get the good color. Eat the banana peels. So I just, I just made that up. But, all right, so y'all got distracted, which was good. 
what did y'all notice about him? He ate the banana. And what are y'all noticing right now? What's he got? Bowl of fruit. I'll take it from you. So, thank you. Everybody say thank you, Isaiah. You can. So, but you noticed, this is going to be good right here. Y'all noticed what? Fruit. That's good. Think. Y'all noticed the fruit. The very first thing you noticed, he walked out and he took a bite of the fruit. So what are people noticing in your life? All right, I told you, that's good. Y'all say, that's good. All right, and so am I walking around, like think, if I walked around and worked like this all day long, like you would think I'm the crazy fruit guy, right? Just walking around with a bowl of fruit. But isn't that what Jesus, you looked at Jesus and he just oozed with the fruit of the Spirit. So why don't people look at us and see the fruit or only see some? All right, and, and so why does it take sometimes months for people to be like, oh, you're actually a nice guy. Like, I'm talking to myself right now. People are always like, oh, David's actually really nice and funny. Like, he's not mean. Like, I'm, I'm talking to myself. So, why, like, why does it take people to get to know me? Why am I just oozing out with the joy and the kindness? Y'all see what I'm saying? And, and then at times... Like, we have the fruit, and it's evident, but then we're like, I, ain't gonna, I, don't, I don't like them people over there, so I'll show, my, I'll show the fruit to this, this, this group of people because I like them. All right, y'all can see the fruit, but eh, I don't want to be nice to them. I don't, I'm not going to have patience. Or, oh, I had a bad day at work, so none of, I don't want to drop this and break it, but none of y'all, I had a bad day. Stay away from me. Nobody sees the fruit today. Death, death, death. Just playing. All right. I'll give this to camera here. You can eat you a banana too. Make sure you eat the pill. All right. So, but, so, but what we see, you, you get the point I'm making, is the very first thing people should notice about us, they should notice we're different, and they should see the fruit in our lives. And so uh, it's easy to do this to strangers. It's easy to do it to people in need. It's easy to do it on a Sunday and a Wednesday. But what about... When you get off work and you go home and you got a bunch of stuff to do and your spouse, your kids, your family, what about the people you're really, really close with? What would they say? What about the people who aren't nice to you, the people you don't like, all right? But we can't pick and choose when we want to show it. And so uh, I want to tell an- another story. I got an older brother. Shout out Big Joe, Hill, Hamp, Jay, if you're all watching. So I got a brother, Joe. Call him Big Joe. He's eight years older than me. He's my only brother. Uh, and so I was annoying to him most of my life because I'm eight years younger than he was. So you think when he was 16, I was eight. Uh, when I was 12, he was 18, and I'm not good at math. Uh, when I was 16, he was 24. But he, I, I wanted to be like him. He, he was who I looked up to. And so, like, man, like, if... Ashley jokes about it all the time. Like, if Joe had something, like, I wanted to have it. Like, if he started wearing rainbow sandals, I need me a pair of rainbow sandals. Like, he, 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 he had a, a flat brim hat, I need a flat brim hat. I, I'm, I'm eight years younger than him. Early 2000s, y'all remember style. It was real cool to have the diamond stud earrings. He got his ears pierced. Oh, when I turn 18, I'm going to get my ears pierced. Like, thank goodness I, I, I chose a different style. Nothing against earrings, but I'm not a... Yeah, no, I'm just not an earring guy. He got a tattoo, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get a tattoo. You see, what I'm saying is 
I wanted to be just like him. Actually, I got a picture. I was probably in middle school. Like, I got the exact same polo, the exact same hat. And, you know, he's, what, I'm in middle school, so he's in college at that point, big guy. And I'm a little scrawny, trying to be just like him. But to be like my brother, I had to watch him. I had to listen to him. I had to mimic him. I had to, I had to have a relationship with him. So if we say our purpose is to be like who? Jesus, I got to know him, right? I got to know Jesus to be like Jesus. And so the first step in being like Jesus is getting to know him. You got to watch him. You got to listen to him. You got to talk to him. You got to imitate him. You got to spend time with him, right? Uh, Eric Gilmore, I listened to him. It was a couple weeks ago. He was speaking at Jesus Image. He said a quote. He said, uh, if spending time with Jesus is not number one in your life, is Jesus number one? And I was like, man, that like, so just think if I really want to be like Jesus, I got to spend time with him. All right. I, if I want to be more like him, I got to know him. All right. And, and, and still a quote from Dr. Tracy, Mr. Sean in the back question. Think what's the best way to hear the heartbeat of God? You put your head on it, your head on his chest. And so if I want to be closer and be more like Jesus, I got to put my head on his chest. I got to get close. I got to listen. I got to imitate. I got to talk to him. So I'm closing. But as I close, we see we're all called to love. We're all called to bring glory to God. And we're all called to live forever and have an eternal mindset. And the only way we can do that is to be like Jesus. That is the only way. If we try to do it any other way, we fail. We fall short. And so this isn't easy. It isn't an easy thing to do to be like Jesus. There's only been one person to do it. All right? But I've never heard anybody, like, have regrets on trying to be more like Jesus. Like, man, I really wasted my time on, like, being nice today. I was a blessing to other people. What a waste. Gosh, that felt terrible to, like, help people out. Like everybody, you've never heard anybody have regrets on that. So what is it going to hurt to try to be more like Jesus? Right, it's it's going to take a little effort, and it might be difficult, but in the end, it's always worth it. And so as I come to a close, I want to challenge you. This week, the rest of the week, intentionally focus on being more like Jesus, especially in the areas that are difficult. Because we could go around the room and everybody's got different areas of their life where it's more difficult to show love, to bring God glory, and to have an eternal mindset. Really focus on those areas and ask God, hey, how can I show love here? Like, this is a struggle for me. How can I do it? How can I bring you glory at work when all these knuckleheads keep driving me crazy? All right? How can I think about eternity when I make decisions? Because I want to think about those things as I go through the day. How can I think about eternity in my relationship with my spouse? All right? And so, like I said, just I challenge you, focus on those things. How, how can I show love, bring God glory, and have an eternal mindset this week and be more like Jesus?